SeatGeek is the easiest way to find the best deals on tickets to pretty much any live event. Concerts, sports, theater, comedy, whatever you want. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SEATS to save $20 on your first purchase. Welcome back to the Sportsbeat KC podcast. This is Jesse Newell, KU Beat reporter for the Kansas City Star. I'm joined once again this week by CJ Moore of The Athletic and Bleach Report. CJ, how you doing this week? Jesse, doing well. How's it going, brother? Going all right, and uh, we'll have a little bit of a mailbag episode coming up, taking your questions off of Twitter and talking about the topics that you guys want to talk about. But before we do that, let's talk briefly about the game that just happened. Uh, KU takes a 96-58 to victory over Toledo. And, CJ, this offense is freaking amazing. I mean, I don't really know what else to say about it right now, but KU for the fourth straight game puts up more than 55 points in the first half. The Jayhawks shoot it like crazy at home. They move the ball. Uh, This is an offense that has been impressive ever since the Kentucky game, and I kind of wonder what your thoughts were after watching that and seeing the Jayhawks perform like that once again against a decent mid-major foe. Super fun to watch. Um, I think that you can pull some things out of it, but you can't you, – you do have to take it a little bit with a – I don't know if grain of salt's the right phrasing, but, I mean, they, they are playing teams that are like 15, 16 T, C types, right? So it's not against like great, great competition where athletically these teams can match up with them. Like, you know, let's, you know, let's see how they do against some of these bigger conference teams and, and you know maybe we'll have a better idea but the way the ball is moving the way they're playing so unselfish um some of the things you hit on on your story yep reddit hey reddit, Jesse, reddit this morning I, first thing first thing i woke up got on my twitter it popped up there right near the top i clicked on it i read the whole thing i even watched your videos you know i think you made a good point and that they're being very very unselfish the ball is moving and when the ball moves that's the way the game's supposed to be played and it's, it's it's cool to see yeah and i thought malik newman is kind of a good example of that just because again if you look at it from his perspective you could understand if six games into the season he was a guy that would was being selfish or if he was a guy that was looking to get his own points because he came to KU to go have an NBA career he came to KU as a scorer that's what he's been known as his whole life so for a guy like that to be unselfish and to find open teammates I thought the one where he came off the stagger screen was kind of especially telling where he had a pretty open three-point shot and he turned it down for a more open three-point shot for C. McKayluk and you know some of his quotes were uh we're pretty telling as well, just saying, hey, you know, if I'm jealous of Gerald or Devontae, then this whole thing isn't going to work. So I think KU, and again, I think the coaching staff deserves credit for this, that they bring in talented guys for one, so you get credit for that, but they also bring in talented guys and have them all play unselfishly and get them to buy into the team aspect. And I'm not sure that's something that Malik Newman might have bought into a couple years ago at Mississippi State, but right now for Kansas, he's content being the fifth leading scorer and being part of this team that really is rolling offensively. Yeah, and he, I mean, like, reputation, and and when you watch him, maybe in high school, which you know, so a lot of guys are like this, but he had sticky fingers. You know, he he he's a guy that has has usually um, kind of dominated the ball and wanted to get up a lot of shots. And I think Bill Self, I was talking to Scott this morning, who was just talking about how Bill Self does a, such a great job of getting his guys to share the ball and to buy into his system. And also, for, you know, the, the scout made the point of how he doesn't have the ego of not being able to change. And, you know, I think that's been telling to people these last two years, um, you know, from people on the outside watching how KU has kind of evolved what they do 
um, to, to fit the personnel. And, um, you know, this is, this is kind of the second year they've been playing this way. And the longer you play away a certain way, you know, the, the better you usually get at it. And so, you know, I think there, there's, there's two things I think really in play here, the why they're playing at such a high level, Bes- beside the fact that, you know, the competition isn't super great, but at the same time, when they play competition like this in the past, they're not scoring the ball like this. So it is something special. There are two things. One, the, the, the ball really moving and, and them sharing it. But I think that comes from Devontae Graham being the point guard and he's your best player. And when your best player plays like that, how it's, it's easier for the other guys to, to fall in line. Like if he's, if he's being unselfish, he's turning down shots. Who am I to, you know, play, play selfish. So I think they're following him. And, you know, with Frank Mason, I thought he got to be a better point guard later in his career, but, but most of the time he was looking to score. He had a scorer's mentality. Passing was kind of the last option where Devontae is more of a pass-first guy, and he's, he's got better vision. He's a better passer. So while they miss Frank Mason's scoring ability and they miss what he could do you know, driving downhill, I think that the way Devontae plays is, is kind of rubbing off on everybody else, and you add that on top of Bill Self always gets his teams to, to share the ball and move it quick and not you know, over-dribble. I think it's just all coming – together to make one beautiful package of basketball yeah when we talk about these numbers and again you're right this hasn't been the best of competition and it's not always you know the top of the top teams that KU's playing but for example against Texas Southern KU goes 1.54 points per possession it's the top mark of any Bell Self team against anybody in the last 15 seasons you know number two now is that Texas Tech game the meat necklace game against Texas Tech so again just the fact that KU has played to that offensive level at that point, and then I looked I looked up last night against Toledo. KU in the first half, you want to guess the points per possession? Did you see it, CJ? I think I saw you treat it. Wasn't it like 169? 1.69. So, again, I'm, I'm already written a story this year about it. Okay, this offense had a more amazing performance considering a point per possession total of any team or any game in the Bill Self era, and I'm having to look it up again you know, <laughs> two games later because KU's at 1.69 points per possession in the first half. It really is kind of an amazing thing to watch. And I, I don't know, this might be a little bit premature to say this, but I think it's fascinating because, again, we're, we're only a month removed from when you were talking to Bill Self at Media Day and asking him, hey, how much big do you want to play? How much four guard do you want to play? And he was convinced that the two bigs was going to be his team's best lineup. And again, I'm not going to say blessing in disguise. I mean, you know, obviously they want Billy Preston. He's a talented player. They'd love to have him on the roster. But forcing KU to play this way and how they become comfortable playing with the four-guard look, I don't know if this is going to be a horrible thing for KU moving forward because they've gotten a comfort level with this and they've been so good at it that, like, it's kind of opened up, I think, the coaching staff's eyes to, like, wow, you know, not only is this four-guard thing, like, was it really good last year, but with these particular players and this particular team and then being able to kind of cobble it together defensively, especially on the glass with that smaller lineup, and then see kind of the greatness you can have offensively, you know, it might have just given Bill Self an extra opportunity to see this four-guard look and how it would look this year, and maybe it's not something they want to go back to. You know, if Billy Preston does come back in the fold, it might just be a matter of he's Udoka's, uh, you know, uh, substitute at the five he comes in and, and relieves him and then you know Mitch Lightfoot just kind of bumps down another position and if you have foul trouble you, you readjust from there but this kind of might have been something that KU wouldn't have gone to as much with Billy Preston and now the where they're playing right now it might be something they consider much more moving forward 
when you have a thin, and we've talked a little bit about this, when you have a thin rotation, guys aren't looking over their shoulders and not worried about, um, you know, how they're going to perform. They know they're going to get their minutes. So, so it just helps you have more confidence. And the reason this is working so well is everybody can shoot it, you know, besides Yudoka, who's not asked to do that, but he's a threat offensively. Everybody's a threat and everybody can shoot it and everybody's playing with confidence. And this is the Svi Mikhailuk we've always waited for. Like, the guy who, you know, his 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 play has kind of always gone with where his confidence is, hey, hey, and his his. Let's, sorry, did I mispronounce Jesus? I'm, no, I'm sorry. About that. Yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna say, do you, you want to go back to cold takes exposed? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Do, I, do you I, want us, I, us talking was, about how he wasn't a pure shooter a couple years ago? I mean, oh my gosh, oops. You know what I'm saying? Like, oops. Yeah, the, that, that's the, on the, us. The stroke was always there. Like the 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 mechanics of it, you always thought, okay, it looks good. It just didn't always go in. And, hey, the numbers backed up that he wasn't a great shooter back in the day. But I think the the, the stroke was always there, and it, who knows what it's going to look like in a month from now or two months from now. But as long as he's shooting the ball well and, and continues to have that confidence, I mean, every single one that comes off his hand looks like it's going in. Even the ones he's missing, they look like they're going in, wouldn't you say? Yeah, 56% from three. That's so just far. unreal. 22 just for 39. Unreal. And here's the funny part for, for KU basketball. Okay, so Svi, you have one elite shooter from three-point range, 22 for 39 through six games, uh, you know, 56%. Okay, so you add on LeGerald Vick, 14 for 27, 52% from three. And then Malik Newman, 50%, 12 for 24 from three. And, oh, by the way, you're not even including Devontae Graham in that mix where he's, quote, struggled to shoot the ball from the outside. He's 13 for 36, making him at 36%. And, oh, ho-hum, by the way, I just noticed there's this number eight by Devontae Graham on the Ken Palm rankings, which means that he is in the uh, KenPalm.com Player of the Year standings. He's bumped his way up with that 35-point performance last night. So all the worries about him and maybe not being able to get to, uh, you know, that top All-America type level after shooting struggles early. I mean, you can see just how quickly this turns over because already he's in a spot where he's among the top statistically in the nation. And yeah, this KU team, again, I'm interested to see against Syracuse just because it's a different arena and it's a different building. And we saw how KU shot against Kentucky. It wasn't as good going against some length and a different environment. But right right now at Allen Fieldhouse, I mean, they are shooting the lights out. Yeah, no, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to to see. But I think they play. Even though I know there's a question about the zone, I think they play a similar way. You you want the ball to move side to side. Um, you know, you want to 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 try to get into those seams. It's it's th- their attack against the zone should be almost perfect. And Bill Self's always been great coaching against Baylor. Now the Syracuse zone is is different, but I, I think he's a pretty good zone coach. So having um, you know, four or five, four days to prepare or whatever. I, I think KU will go into that game pretty prepared to to go up against the uh, the Syracuse zone. And if the ball moves, I, I think they'll have success. Well, and this isn't Syracuse of the years past either. You know, they're 53rd in Ken Palm, which other years they were more kind of in that top 20 to 25 range. So, and again, a neutral environment too. So this is not playing at the Carrier Dome or something like that. This is going to be KU playing in Miami where there likely will be more KU fans than Syracuse fans. But it is... Uh, it will be fascinating to watch to see how they handle a different environment just because it just looks so easy. I mean, Oakland doesn't get beat 102-59. to I mean, I don't know if KU fans understand that, but, like, that team has been a good mid-major team for a long time. And, and they, had, they, had, they had major conference players on their team, too. Yes. Uh, the kid, Martez Walker, he was poised to be, like, one of Texas' best players a few years ago, and then he got in trouble. 
And uh, but he had like a really good finish to his freshman year. Kendrick Nunn was a pretty darn good, like was solid, good scorer at Illinois. Like he he's a power five player. Um, the big kid they had, um, you know, he looked like to me a, a, a high, maybe a high major big guy. Or was didn't Oakland have? A, or maybe I'm confusing Texas Southern and and Oakland. I watch those games like back to back. Texas maybe Texas, Texas Southern had Southern. Trayvon Reed, who was the seven yeah, foot yeah, two yeah. guy. That's that's I'm I'm confusing the games, but but my my point, like Oakland had some power five players, then that KU just destroyed him. And yeah, he's he's a great camp, he's a good co- coach. Um, Campy, I think is how you say it. Yeah, Greg Campy. Uh, yeah, he's he's a he's a really good coach, and and uh, yeah, I mean that that that's probably been, um, you know, of their performances so far. I'd say that's that's been the most impressive one, although South Dakota State's right is pretty close to. That's what I'm I mean, saying. That, you were talking about real players. I mean, you were you were about the dominator in there, and KU wins that game, 98-64. Yeah, I, I did think Oakland had better talent though overall. Um, so that, that was that that to me was probably the most dominant shellacking they've had so far. Well, yeah, it's just been crazy so far. It's it's been nuts that KU has been able to do this and continues to move up. Number one in Sagarin, number one in BPI, number one in Ken Palm. Again, the advanced numbers are going to love you when you're able to put these sort of beatdowns on opponents who are not great opponents. But, I mean, I'm looking right now at it. South Dakota State 101, Texas Southern 245, Oakland 120, Toledo 160. So, again, there's there's no 330s in there. There's no 320s that some teams are playing right now. KU is taking some decent you know, mid-major foes that are probably going to win their conferences, and they are just completely manhandling him. Um, Toledo's coach last night, uh, the Todd Kowal- Kowalczyk, uh, he said that it was the best performance or one of the best teams he's seen in the last 30 years of coaching, that the performance that KU put on last night. I think that most of those last four coaches have to feel the same way, just like they've run into a buzzsaw when KU has played them at Allen Fieldhouse. Let's go ahead and get to some of these questions, CJ, because a lot of people took to Twitter to ask questions, and uh, we appreciate that. Let's go to... Joe, which I think this is an interesting question, and I want to get your take on this. He says, is this the best KU defense in the last few years? Again, we've been so focused on KU's offense, but you don't beat teams by 34 points, 36 points, 43 points, unless your defense is playing pretty well too. So give me a feel for what you see from KU's defense this year. It's so early. It's so early. It's, it's, it's hard to make that judgment yet. And also, you know, th- that's where really the competition, I think, comes in a l- even a little bit more. Even even Kentucky, when they played Kentucky, this isn't a normal Kentucky team. They've got athletes, but they don't have maybe the high-level scores that they usually have. So it's it's hard to, to say, but I will say that they've been very active and playing the way that they need to play. Getting you know, getting up in passing lanes, um, just just helping a lot, just being just run, kind of running all over the place, um, and it, it's it's you've seen a ton of improvement from like what you saw, um, like in the Missouri game, and um, I, I, I think they've really come a long way. And then defensively, rebounding the ball pretty darn well, and Udoka is a as a protector back there in the back, who is pretty much staying out of foul trouble. And Mitch Lightfoot's actually kind of given a shot blocking presence just because he's he's so bouncy. Um, you know, I don't think that'll necessarily continue at quite the level it is right now once they start playing high major teams. But um, yeah, it's it's the the, the defensive pieces are, are are fitting together pretty well. Now, you know, I'm I'm very interested to see like okay, 
they play Texas as their conference opener, right? Yep, December 29th at Texas. You know, that'll be a good game to watch because, like, okay, Dylan, uh, is it Osokowski, the the big kid they got? Yeah, the transfer. Um, yeah, he's really, really good, and he's a he's a four man that like could give them problems. Where last year they throw Josh Jackson on him, and maybe Josh Jackson can kind of neutralize that a little bit. Um, you know, that'll be a really good test for for KU. So it's it's too early to say, but yes, they they are defending at a high level, and that is that that's also very um, you know the KU's coaches have to be optimistic with how they're defending, but. It's too early to say because I don't know that it's super real when you're just playing the, the opponents that they're playing. Do you have Ken Palm pulled in, up in front of you? Yeah, I do. Oh, okay, so you can't cheat. You can cheat if I was going to ask you this. Did you? Well, see, I can. I can. I can close it out. Did you? Did up. you see this? What do you think KU steal percentage is? What Where do they rank nationally in steal percentage defensively? If you had to guess, uh, I, I I don't know. So I'll, I'll, I this will be a guess. Okay. Um, I'll say 76. 76 is your guess? Yeah. K- KU is ninth. Wow, that's crazy. Again, that's crazy. The one thing that Bill Self has kind of done over the years with his defense is he's kind of wanted to force teams into one bad shot. He's kind of talked about that philosophy before. And KU at times has pressured up the floor, but most of the time they really don't try to gamble that much, and you can – you can tell with Bill Self that's kind of just been the philosophy. He doesn't like to gamble if he's going to give up layups on the back end or easy shots. So one positive for this team is that when they do play up the floor, the guys that they have, like Marcus Garrett, and heck, let's put him in there, like Malik Newman, who's emerging as a guy that uh, now is in the top. Let me look here quick on steal rate. He had three steals in the last game against Toledo. Now on steal rate, he is in the top 200, oh, top 336, but again, this was something, this was a stat he didn't have at Mississippi State. So, you know, he's starting to lock in defensively. Sima Kailuk is, is a position defender, but he's also increased his steal rate. And then Devontae Graham, you know, being able to get some pokeaways without fouling because he has to play so many minutes for KU. But so that's a positive for one. KU is active and forcing a team like Toledo. Uh, Toledo, it's season high for turnovers before last night was 13 and had 20 against Kansas. So, I mean, that just lets you know how much KU is heating up opponents when it comes to defense. Block percentage, KU's 21st. So, again, uh, that helps the two-point defense. And as you know from Ken Pomeroy's studies, two-point defense is one of the things you can most control as a defense. And so for KU to be 13th in the nation in that, that's a very positive sign. I think the two negative signs, if you're looking for KU's defense and what will be tested more with bigger bodies moving forward, one is the thing we always talk about with playing small, which is defensive rebounding. Right now, KU ranks 53rd nationally in defensive rebounding percentage. That's a number I think that will trail off just because they haven't played as many big teams as they will moving forward. The number two thing, huge concern, probably the biggest concern for this team defensively is three-point defense. And so far, teams are jacking up a bunch of threes. Now, part of that is just the teams KU's played. South Dakota State wants to shoot a bunch of threes. Oakland wants to shoot a bunch of threes. Toledo wants to shoot a bunch of threes. So some of those numbers are going to be a little bit off. But uh, as we know kind of from some of the studies that have been out there, the three-point defense, it's really hard to stop a shot from going in. It's much easier to prevent that shot from going up. And right now, KU has allowed a ton of three-point attempts. And so moving forward, that's probably something they'll want to uh, clamp down on. Just because if you have a good interior defense, you'll want to force teams into that interior defense instead of letting them kind of fire away from the outside and hope for the best with the three-point shooting. Jesse, uh, 
trivia for you. I'm, I'm going to flip it on. Who, who do you think is the Bill Self team taking this one out? Because, you know, obviously it's only a few games in. Who's ranked the highest in steals rate ever for a Bill Self team? Can you guess the year? Uh, 2008 with Mario Chalmers. You're, you're close. Like the Chalmers era has, I think, all top three, <laughs> the, the top to. three numbers. Uh, 2006, his freshman year, they ranked ninth. Wow. So they had a ninth. Well, and again, Bill Self, again, he, we, we've heard him talk about Mario Chalmers and, you know, and, and you've kind of discussed this as well where he wasn't Chalmers a great Chalmers was number one that year, by he, the way, 5-9 five, five, steal rate. Yeah, saying he wasn't a great defender, but he could take, you know, the other player's ball. He could read passing lanes, all those sorts of things. But, again, that's a pretty valuable skill to have, and as good as this KU team is in transition, when they can get those steals, it sure helps to have it on the other end because then you're you're upping your offensive efficiency and letting this team run, which is very very skilled at getting out it on the break. All uh, right, what's what's what we got next? Let's go with well, let's get this one out of the way because it's going to be talked about at some point. Orange Whip says, "Why on earth would it take this long to look into a car ownership situation?" So obviously the discussion is on Billy Preston. Um, it would take this long if the. <laughs> Likely, if the car ownership situation was in doubt, or if they couldn't find the paperwork, or if the paperwork wasn't available, that could put this in Billy Preston's name. So, uh, I know they said originally KU did that their compliance department was looking into it and that they were looking more into the financial situation with the car. But I think it's pretty clear now, two weeks later, that there were some question marks about the car, and so that's what's getting cleared up. I know uh, your colleague at the Athletic, CJ Seth Davis, said that. KU staff is hoping this gets cleared up in the next one or two weeks that there's some sort of resolution to it but you know until then it's kind of just wait and see mode but it's pretty obvious by now that this is a a situation that involves something more than just simple paperwork yeah (laughs) you you said it all I I think um, the, the, the question is you know will he ever play again and how much do they need him and you hit on already that in some ways it's helped them because it's forced them into staying small and they figured out that, wow, this is really the way we need to play. I think they do need at least one more big body. So whether they get Preston back or whether they get DeSosa, I think it's important that they get one of those kids just for depth purposes. Speaking of, just, speaking of um, breaking news ahead. from yesterday, James Sosinski, who we talked about on this podcast, what, like four months ago? He is practicing with the KU basketball team. Bill Self says no word yet on it, whether he's going to join the team in an official capacity or not. Did Bill Self admit that, that he got that idea from listening to the podcast? <laughs> he did not. He did not. I, I hate to tell you this, CJ, we were not the only ones on the James Sosinski uh, bandwagon true, when it came to that. True, but true. It, it still uh, is amazing. I mean, I was even thinking about this yesterday. It was only three years ago, CJ, when we had all that Free the Three talk. I mean, isn't this crazy? Isn't is, Doesn't it feel like we're in a time warp or something when – when this is it's just they are shooting a ton of threes man like they don't turn down any threes anymore it's 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 remarkable it's it's crazy to see what this KU offense has become in, in three short years yeah yeah it's 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 fun to watch I'm, I'm i'm looking at that 2006 team right now they shot 28.3 percent of their attempts from three unbelievable <laughs> but you know that that's that's what their personnel that's the the, the strength and and um, you know, I think a lot of it's Devonte Graham and him getting guys shots, and and everybody being unselfish. They're 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 not bad shots that they're taking. They're they're taking room and rhythm threes. So, um, 
Yeah, it's but it is it is pretty wild to to see them taking that many threes just because it's not it hasn't been what they've done in the past. So, like you know, like I talked about earlier, self has showed you know a, a kind of to be a chameleon with whatever his the strength of his players are. Um, you know, I think they've had to change some things up defensively too, just because of the way they're they're so small. But but they're making it work. So so credit to the their, their coaching staff for for making it work. Yep. All right. Let's keep going here with Dan Fagan. He says, with the guards playing so well, well, where do you see Cunliffe fitting in? And I guess I'll start quickly that Bill Self has said even in, in recent months that Sam Cunliffe is a guy that is probably going to help KU more down the line than he is in the immediate term, that he's still kind of learning the playbook, learning his role and how KU plays, all those sorts of things. So for me, it just seems like that's added depth for KU. That's a guy that... Again, if you get in desperate foul trouble, he can throw in and maybe he can steal you three or four minutes of being a small ball four. Or if if the guards, a couple guards get in foul trouble, he can be another guy on the bench. Or, you know, if you need another shooter or somebody gets dinged up, it just gives you a little bit of security or insurance. But I don't think his um, him coming into the fold will change KD's rotation all that much. That, that help us down the line, quote, it, that's like the nicest way of saying, well, he ain't, ain't going to play much. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? And I I think back to when I saw this question, I thought back to to Diallo, and how that almost was a the, position. Almost the same thing, by the way, the same quote wise of. I mean, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, but with similar timing, and also um, they had a lot of depth up front that year, and you know, obviously they have a lot of depth in their backcourt. So when you come in from behind, like coming in behind. And even though he's been around and been practicing, he hasn't had that, that, those game experience. And he's been playing on the scout team, probably not playing with the the starters, you know. And, and so it, he, he's he's just kind of behind a little bit. And plus, I mean, the guys that are in front of him are producing and, and playing at a really really high level. I mean, even Marcus Garrett, um, who's kind of that last guy, is is playing really 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 well. So yeah, it's it's going to be hard for him to crack the rotation i see him as a as kind of that um you know just last guy off the bench to to fill in when either injury or foul trouble and you know he 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 does fit his skill set does fit with the way they're playing so that that helps him out yep let's take a quick break here cj and we'll wrap up with the lightning round with the rest of these questions so uh stay tuned we'll be right back with sports bkc podcast SeatGeek is the easiest way to find the best deals on tickets to pretty much any live event. Concerts, sports, theater, comedy, whatever you want. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SEATS to save $20 on your first purchase. All right, CJ, back to the questions. Blake McFarland, where does Devontae Graham's passing ability rank among Bill Self-era point guards? Go. I think it's right there with Aaron Miles. That's the only guy I'd put in that conversation. I think he's... He's really, really good vision. Great lob thrower. He just he's the the one reason the guys KU's shooting so high a percentage is he's he's getting the guys the ball where they need it in their shooting pockets, and he's he's just he's a really really good passer. Yeah, and I, if we're gonna give ourselves crap for saying Speed wasn't a pure shooter a couple years ago, we also should give ourselves credit before the season because we kind of called this assist breakout with Devontae Graham. We knew he'd likely be in this role with so many shooters that KU has. All right, next one. If Billy does not play but DeSouza becomes eligible, what will be the number of minutes per game for Lightfoot and for the double post? That's from Hawkhead underscore JM. 
All right, so Lightfoot minutes, I would go with – what's he playing right now? I will look it up really quickly, but uh, go ahead and continue answering. I'll say, I'll say d- d- double post, maybe 10 minutes a game, tops, 5 yeah. to 10. Yeah, that seems I, Yeah, that seems high, but yeah, probably. 5 to 10 probably. And then Lightfoot minutes – oh, here, I've, I've got it in front of me right now. He's playing 16-3. Um, I'm going to say that goes down to maybe like 12, 11 or 12. I don't know. Maybe even, maybe even down to 10. We'll see. It, it's, it's just hard to say without being able to see De Sosa. Yeah, well, and the question is, we just talked about Sam Cunliffe not being able to uh, pick, pick up the offense immediately and being you know a little bit behind and that sort of it. I mean, De Sousa is going to walk onto campus in December. You know what I'm saying? So um, if you're talking about a guy who's been with the program for a year and a half and he's still learning things, how is De Sousa going to walk in and know all these things right away and be a big man inside? So I don't know. To me, he seems kind of like a guy that's more of a – not a project, but more of a guy break glass in case of emergency. And, and it sounds good in theory to say he's going to play a bunch of minutes. And Bill Self has basically said that. He said that to you for your article a couple of weeks ago. But yeah. I think once he gets on campus, it might be a different story. I guess we'll see. I, I, I will say my, my guy, Scott Phillips, who who's watched him quite a few times and, you know, good good recruiting guy, he told me that he thought De Sosa was one of the most college-ready guys in that class. So so that, that speaks to, you know, him maybe – haven't being more ready than you would think but yeah it's it's, it's going to be tough coming in but but he doesn't have you know there's not guys in front of him so he's he's going to get a chance all right michael dimaggio how kansas plans to attack syracuse's zone on saturday i think we already, we already hit on this move the ball get it in the seams get in the middle um bill self's always his teams always do a good job of kind of hitting that free throw level area there and then attacking from there getting it to that the the short corner um, the guy on the baseline. So I, I think you'll see a, a lot of that trying to get in the middle. Probably Vic is that guy who who kind of sneaks into the middle and then kind of facilitates from there. All right, Frank L. Saunders, soft non-con, good or bad for KU basketball? I I, I hate soft non-con, so I, I always like more more competition. But it's it's about to get better. Arizona State's looking better than that game looked originally. They're 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 scoring at a higher efficiency than KU. And um, the Syracuse game could could be decent. Nebraska's down, Stanford's down, but uh, yeah. So that that Arizona State game maybe helped a little bit. I will go against you. I think this is the perfect time for Kate of a, a, a soft non-con, especially with the depth issues they have. Not running those guys ragged, and then getting all these victories and being able to play with a short bench and not really having to worry about that much. This is the perfect time for a soft non-con, and I don't think a soft non-con keeps you from being a good team down the stretch. I know that seems like the uh, the much-held theory out there, but again, you can be a good team and have a soft non-con schedule. KU's going to be plenty tested when Big 12 play comes. Finally, going to end with this one from Michael Ashford, a good buddy, Michael Ashford, of the Old Gazette sports team. Which column name was the best? The Newell Post, Open Mic, or More Sports? This is an easy <laughs> one, CJ. Don't blow it. Do you say co- which column was the best or which column name was which the col- best? Well, we know my, uh, what, we know my column was the best. Oh, which come column on, name come was on. the best? Uh, man, oh, I, I'll just feed I'll feed your ego for once. The Newell Post. <laughs> man, that's such oh, a good one. My I mean, more, more, more sports, I'll, I'll say. You know, it's not the best. But I've been going with that since I was in, like, high school. So 
that's 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 what I went with. But yeah, I'll I'll, I'll say Newell, Newell Post. It's, yeah, I, I really can't even take credit for that. You know, that's just the English language and Newell <laughs> Post being a thing and Post being a blog. I mean, it's it's perfect. You're right. It's perfect in every way. So I'm not going to disagree with you on that front. Well, anything else, CJ? Before we get out of here, obviously, KU big game against Syracuse coming up this weekend. Nope, I should have something on uh, on athletic sometime relatively soon, so uh, you can look for that. And you know, I'm just I'm just looking at you what you write, and then I'll just uh, go into it better, right? It's that what you said. You're saying you're, <laughs> you're right on Svi. Is that what you said? Yeah, writing on writing on Svi next for for the athletic. Okay, great. Well, and and did the no, book for that. Well, real quickly, book signings. I know you guys had those last week. How'd those go? You had some people turn out and, and pick up uh, Beyond the Streak? Yeah, yeah. It was it was really fun. It was cool to uh, – several of the people who came brought up the podcast and they, they love it. So it was cool to meet some of those people that, you know, ask these questions on Twitter and interact with us um, to be able to talk some K basketball with them. That, that, was, that was really neat. It was, it was a special part of it. So I enjoyed that. Thanks well, for those who came out. Yeah, that's great. It's great to meet those people, and it's also great to know from James Sosinski being a part of KU's practice this week that Bill Self and staff are fully on board <laughs> now with the Sports BKC podcast. Absolutely no question. That's exactly where they got the idea from. So oh, it's good to know we're appreciated. For sure. That's for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, without without a doubt. I mean, we we, we – we pretty. I mean, if they win a national championship this year, probably get us rings, right? <laughs> I'd probably get fired if that was the case. But uh, but no, no, just no. It's just good to be kidding. just good to be appreciated. You know, it's good to know that everybody that's out there is listening um, and, and really taking everything to heart. So um, yeah, it's it's great. All right, it's all right, all right. Good good talking to you, Jesse. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Well, that's gonna wrap up the Sports Beat KC podcast for CJ. This is Jesse. Be sure to tune in for another episode next week. Thank you.